0: Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing the message today out of the book of Revelation. Again, we find ourselves in uh, what I think is probably one of the uh, most exciting chapters to read, and that is in chapter 18. So we have finished 17. We're going to move into 18. And I don't know how long it'll take to get through there, but uh, I'm in no rush. So we're going to begin with chapter 18. And I've entitled this message today, the fall of Babylon. And I think that will become very obvious, especially with the very first two verses. In fact, that's all I'm going to try to cover today is verses 1 and 2. And that's going to be a big job. Even though it's only two verses, it's going to be tough to get through all this. So let me begin by giving you the context as found in Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. And I will read those for you. So I invite you to Uh, If you want to follow along, you take your copy of God's Word and and open it to Revelation chapter 18. So the context today is just verses 1 and 2. The Word of God reads, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 18, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. And she has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. Well, I think you can uh, read that pretty obvious uh, pretty quickly right there that we're looking at uh, something that's going to need a bit of explanation to it. And so that is what I hope to be able to do as I I look at this. So we're in chapter uh, 18. And that's uh, one chapter before chapter 19, obviously. Uh, And then we'll go into chapters 20 and 22. And they describe what happens after the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in the last chapter, excuse me, of the section prior to the return of Jesus Christ, described in chapter 19. So again, I want to remind you that the church has been called out Several years before, we don't know exactly the timeline here, but we know we're at the backside of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation. And we're told tribulation is seven years. So the church has been gone approximately six and a half years before this, or maybe closer to seven. We could be in the last days here, but we'll take a look at that. So it's a crucial chapter because it gives us the world conditions at the time of the final judgment of sinners, when Christ comes to set up his kingdom. This is just before his kingdom. I think it's probably uh, the most complete picture of the world at the end of man's day, the system of worldwide government and the commerce controlled by the Antichrist, who is called, and we've seen this many times, who's called the beast in the book of Revelation. uh, We see that description. (coughs) In Revelation chapter 13. Now it is described in Revelation 18 in the context of judgment. In some ways, uh, I, you can uh, call chapter eight, 18 a requiem or a funeral dirge. It's very uh, well, It's a very somber moment uh, as you read this. It's <clears throat> it's very alarming. Actually, uh, some call it the most somber chapter of the entire book of the Bible. I don't know whether that's uh, accurate or not, but that's what some people have called it. But it is in the last days before the Lord returns, and there's a reason to be somber about this. Because as we have seen over the last couple of weeks, Satan is in control of the universe, at least uh, the world of men. But the universe, which he has once controlled, is starting to collapse around him. I would imagine Satan at this point is uh, sensing that he's losing control. And that he is uh, uh, not, well, I I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, It's easy to think, well, he might be thinking this, but, you know, to be honest, I don't know what he's thinking. Never will know what he's thinking. Don't really care what he's thinking. I do always wonder, does he actually read these scriptures or hear preachers preach about his destiny, about where he's headed? And does he actually hear it, and does he believe it? Well, you know, we will never know that. But uh, this is a look at at his world starting to collapse. His demons, who have been occupying the heavens, are now cast to earth. Satan then, on earth, with all of his millions of demons, and we're going to show you in a minute, there are millions of demons, is working through two key people. And we've looked at these throughout the book of Revelation, and that is, Uh, specifically the Antichrist and the false prophet. And he's working through these people to gain control of the world. Uh, It's his last, I guess you could say, ditch effort, uh, catapulted out of heaven in Revelation chapter 12, described as sent to the earth. He then occupies himself with a final stand against God uh, and against Christ on earth, which means he wants to come against anything that is god's for example the, the 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 saints at this time he will be coming against them uh, coming against israel uh, and so coming against the two witnesses so anything that would be in his mind going against god he is going to take a stand in against it so it is an effort to withstand the power of god the coming of christ satan tries to set up a kingdom that is indomitable Uh, Evil reaches an apex, you can see, and we've been looking at this, uh, iniquity is is filled up. In fact, we're going to see a a statement related to that in this chapter. Rebellion against God and Christ are at their peak during this time. It is going to be like madness upon the earth. And so we have an opportunity here to, to look at this chapter and to take a look at some of the things that are going on. And it is, it is it's interesting, but it is, it's a very difficult chapter to read because you're reading about things that are real, that are going to really happen, and they're on earth. Uh, actions like they blaspheme the God of heaven. Well, that's speaking of all unbelievers really unified together in wanting to do that. A uh, man blaspheming God, it's like, wow, man, y'all, y'all just better watch out so the world at this point is so evil that even with all the warnings and the preachings by the, of the gospel, by, remember the 144,000 are still going strong. They have not been uh, hurt. They have not. Their number has not gone down, but they're still around. We don't talk about them, but boy, they're still doing what God wants them to do on the earth. The converted Jews, others who have named the name of Christ, the two witnesses, or probably been killed and raised from the dead at this point, but angels in the sky that are proclaiming the gospel we saw in chapter 14. With all that preaching uh, and all of the witness and the testimony of all those believers across the world, the world is a very evil, disturbing place to be living at this time. Now in this final world before the coming of Jesus Christ, there is a period called the Great Tribulation. That's the last half. The Bible describes the seven-year period as the period prior to the coming of Jesus, the 70th week of Daniel, and we, you remember we covered all of that. But this is in that period called the Great Tribulation period. And it began to ex- escalate in terrifying ways as the Lord begins to judge this evil world system. And so really, at this time, the world system that exists during the Great Tribulation in the last three and a half years is the system Uh, which is actually described here in chapter 18, which makes it more interesting to see because we know what we're looking at. We're looking at the last system of the world uh, in which Satan is ruling. I believe that the religious system described in 17 probably will have ceased to exist by this, and I'll give a reason for that in a minute. But for the most part, by the second half of the tribulation, because of midpoint, uh, when the Antichrist will no longer tolerate the coexisting uh, religious system, in fact, that's where the abomination of desolation takes place, and I think that's where he begins to work through his false prophet to declare that the world do away with all of the religious relics or, or symbols or, or worships uh, of anything, any other god, and they demand that they be uh, focused on the, the beast, the Antichrist. So... Now, remember, in chapter 17, we were given a picture of the religious system of the end time called Mystery Babylon. Here in 18, we're getting a picture of the political side of this. And I'm just kind of reviewing a little bit just to kind of jump into this. Uh, actually, this is what I call jumping into it, even though it is a bit of a review, but I think we need that. These two systems share much in common. That is, the, the religious and the and the political share much in common. Uh, they even have the same name, Babylon. They share the same satanic power. They're alike and in, uh, in, in they both are under the rule of the Antichrist. They are both ruling like, as one writer puts it, like queens and filled with blasphemy. They both hate the saints and shed their blood. They both are associated with the kings of the earth in what is called fornication. They both come under the definitive judgment of God and are destroyed. All of this is by Uh, James Montgomery Boyce and uh, John MacArthur, both of them were working, I put both of those quotes together. Uh, Again, both of these systems come under the definitive judgment of God and are going to be destroyed. But with that, the similarities end and they are marked, I think, differences between 17 and 18. I know some people say, really, it's the same chapter. I mean, it's the same description of the same things in, in both chapters, but it's not. Religious Babylon, as I say, is called Mystery uh, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Uh, The commercial Babylon is called the Great Babylon, or Babylon the Great. One is described under the symbol of a harlot woman seated upon the beast of government, and the other, which is 18, chapter 18, is presented as a mighty city. Well, that's a big difference. I don't think this is the same thing. The 17th chapter presents... Uh, what is called Ecclesiastical Babylon as a woman, a whore, a mother. The 18th chapter presents uh, the political Babylon as a habitation, a great city, a mighty city, a marketplace, and even a burning city. The woman of 17 is described as guilty of religious abominations. The city of 18 is abominable because of its system of commerce the manner of their destruction, I think, is also a big difference. We saw last week in 17 that the woman is destroyed by the political power headed up by the Antichrist and the, and the beast, I mean the beast and the false prophet, but the city of 18 is destroyed actually by an act of God. So I want to emphasize to you that I believe Babylon of 17 is a religious system. Babylon of 18 is a commercial or political system. They will coexist in the first half of the seven-year tribulation period. But at midway, the Antichrist will not tolerate that coexistence. He will not tolerate that divided loyalties as he will see it. He's going to be a proud man, and he wants the whole world to begin to worship him. You can get a good picture of this in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, 6, and following in there. In fact, he will take a seat in the temple, declaring himself... Listen to this, to be God himself. And so I think that is when everything really changes. And so at the midpoint, this is the religion. The religious part of this is all destroyed, totally devastated, consumed, as chapter 17 brings out. And then you have this of chapter 18. So in order to get into 18, I want you to look at verse 1. It's just three words I'm going to base this on. First there is the messenger And look at verse 18 again, uh, chapter 18 again. After these things, I saw another angel coming down uh, from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. Now, I know there's some people say this is Jesus Christ, but this is not Jesus Christ. I think this is an angel. I think John's vision begins here with a uh, pronouncement that it is going to include judgment, But this is another angelic messenger. After these things, a little phrase as it begins, after these things, uh, is a phrase that appears a number of times in the book of Revelation and introduces us to the next vision. Uh, Without, uh, I think, going too much into this, I would like to suggest that the little phrase supports the distinction. I think it shows a separation between 17 and 18. It identifies a latter revelation Uh, than that of 17. So the reason I say that is because there are some commentators who uh, just insist on making 17 and 18 describing the same thing. And it's because of the similarities of these chapters, but they're missing the differences. The little phrase after these things supports the distinction or separation from 17 and 18. You might think, well, that's a majoring on the minors. Well, it might be, but to me it's important. So John sees another messenger coming down out of heaven, not the same angel of chapter 17. It is another one. You remember chapter 17 uh, starts off like this. Chapter 17, and one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with him, but this is another one. Uh, There is a mention of an angel in 17, verse 1, but also in verse 7, verse 15. You remember the angel who serves Uh, served as John's guide in the previous revelation, which is chapter 17, well, this is, I think, telling us that this is another angel, another one that is different than 17, but yet uh, it's another of the same kind. It means another of exactly the same kind. That's the word chosen to give us here that you can have a uh, different Greek words. One Greek word can mean another of the exact same kind and one Greek word to mean another of a different kind. Christ would be different than the angels. I think the term indicates that it's just another angel like the angel of 17, who was John's guide through that. So that may not mean much to you, but this angel uh, may well be the same angel of chapter 14, in which we heard him say with a loud voice, Babylon is fallen. Now here is a, a usually powerful angel, and this is what I want to look at just for a moment. I know we don't, uh, not going to dwell too much into this, but I want you to look at. It tells us some things about this angel because this angel is pretty important, pretty powerful. I want you to look at three different ways he uses to describe this messenger. Uh, first one is he has. It says he has great authority. Well, that great authority is. Uh, Is going to be, uh, is going to play a big role here, having great authority. Uh, He comes down from heaven, that means he's coming from the throne of God. That's always a reference to that. And the very, he's coming from the very presence of God as he comes. Now, will the world know that? Well, you know, I often think, what would I think looking at this and seeing this in real time? Knowing is, well, they're going to even know it's an angel, but look look at what it says. Coming to the earth illumined with his glory, and I'm going to explain what that means in a minute. But as he comes carrying great authority and great power, he has been delegated by the authority of God to act for God. Now, verse 21 uh, says something interesting, and a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone. I think that's the same angel. Uh, this, thus, Babylon, this, this, the great city, will be thrown down with violence, and will be found uh, will not be found any longer. This could be the very same angel, and it's demonstrating how powerful this angel really is. Very powerful, strong angel. And then number, look at the second second way he describes this. Not only he comes down from heaven with great authority, but the earth was illumined with his glory. Now, let me under, let me help you understand it. To, to say that. It's really telling us something that's put onto uh the riding piggyback with chapter seventeen or chapter 16. If we were to go back to chapter sixteen, I think it was in verse 10, you remember that the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and then coming toward the great uh, end of the great tribulation when he pours out his bowl, his kingdom becomes dark and we talked about that. So there is a period at the, at the very end of the great tribulation of worldwide darkness. And so we don't have any indication that it lets up. So there is a period at the very end in which there will be a worldwide darkness. And it is against that backdrop that verse 1 of chapter 18 uh, we see this angel. So remember, imagine now the whole earth is black. That means you can't see any kind of light in the sky. God has turned off the lights. He's turned out the heavenly lights as part of judgment. And by the way, through chapter 18, uh, I know it describes a system that existed through the seven years, the most particular uh, that existed during the second half. The vision that John has here is of the very end when judgment is falling. And so we can assume that the angel coming at the very end is illumining uh, an otherwise dark world that is at the end of this. In other words, it, it, it follows parallel <clears throat> with that darkness found in chapter 16. So with the, Lord, with the, the world dark, John, uh, the Lord sends an angel who is a glorious angel to illumine the darkness. In other words, He breaks through the darkness. And you can understand what a shocking, I think, experience that is going to be when the darkened world sees a blazing angel coming out of heaven with God's Shekinah glory. That is going to be an amazing sight. And I don't think people are going to look at it in ooh and ah, but uh, I, I do think they're going to look at it with shock and fear. I don't think they're going to look at it with amazement like, wow, look at that. Uh, in fact, I had a chance today. I was out this morning, and I saw uh, near one of the air bases here in Missouri. Uh, some, they looked like F-22s. Somebody hollered out F-22s. I don't know whether they were or not, but they were some unbelievably looking uh Uh, jet planes that were flying over and boy, they were low coming in and and it was just an amazing sight. That kind of looking up and you see that and you go, wow, look at that. Look at those jets. And there were eight or nine of them. I don't know what they were doing, whether they were practicing drills or touch and go landings. I don't know. But this is not what the people are going to say. I think they're going to be shocked. It's going to be a shocking, fearful experience is going to be happening at that time. But then there's a third way he describes this angel. The first way is a great authority. The second is illuminated. The world will see a, an illumination of this angel through the massive darkness on the earth. But the third thing he tells us about this is he cries with a mighty voice. No one can ignore him. And here's what I think that is saying. As you look at this in verse 2, and he cried out with a mighty voice, saying. I think that's emphasized because the whole world's going to hear it. Now, I know it's, it's, it's hard to imagine this, but to think about this. Will everyone see at the same time? I mean, the world is round. And uh, what you see, what they will see in Europe, we probably can't see in other parts of the world. So I don't know how that happens, but God can make it happen. So I think when this is happening... It's going to be a, a, a thing that is going to be noticed because this voice, this thing, this powerful angel, is saying with a mighty voice, I think he's telling us that no one is going to be able to ignore him. He's coming from heaven with great authority. He is the executor of judgment. He comes to earth and illumines the whole earth with the shining manifestation of the divine presence of actually God himself with that kind of a glory reflected off of him. He cries out with such a mighty voice that no one can ignore him. Everyone is going to hear him. Just like I really believe. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think everyone will see him. That's why it's shocking. I think busting through the dark is going to be one thing. I think the the momentary Uh, moment where the light of the angel begins to illumine through the darkness, what might seem like a relief, but I think it's going to quickly turn into terror and fear as the words of this angel become hearable, as they begin to hear this. Which brings me to number two, the message. The one is the messenger, number two is the message. And look at what he says, the statement here. It is a, a commanding, it's a pronouncement of judgment. He says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Well, these echo, these passages go back. They're identical words to chapter 14, verse 8. And both of those passages go back to Isaiah 21, 9. So the statement here, fallen, fallen <clears throat> is Babylon the great is a statement of established ruin. In the form of, of the Greek language, it views the results of judgment as if they've already happened, and that's what we're seeing here. It is in the process as we're reading it, but as they are reading it, it's uh, it's looking probably a few days ahead. In fact, we can read that we've been reading this for years. I mean, uh, looking at this, and so, but it speaks of it as is happening, is already happened. There was a historical Babylon, by the way, fell in 539 BC. That event, of course, God showed to his prophets, but this is a far greater fall of a far greater Babylon. The fall that is the annihilation and desolation that Isaiah and Jeremiah promised, that we looked at uh, many times. And I really do believe that this final fall of Babylon occurs with the seventh bowl judgment. If you go back to chapter 16 and 17, the seventh angel pours out his bowl. A loud voice comes out of the temple of the throne saying, It is done. And then you have flashes of, of lightning, sounds, and peals of thunder, a great earthquake, uh, such as they've never seen since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it that the mighty, the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And here is this And Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island was fled away, and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, because its plague was extremely severe. Here, I believe, you have that parallel. Here is what we see. Here is this pronouncement of judgment in verse 2 of Revelation 18, is actually what is going on at the end of Revelation. uh, 17 and also in, in in the seventh bold judgment of chapter 16 so that is uh that is the message that the world will hear he cries out with a mighty voice saying fallen fallen is babylon the great now whether this next is all part of that message some say it is some say it is not some say it's an explanation by the narrative the narrator here who's john Uh, But it's it's really hard to tell. But listen to what it is. In fact, number three on the outline, we have number one, the messenger. Number two, the message. Fallen, 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 Babylon the great. Then number three, I'm calling it the mess. Uh, As far as alliteration goes, it fits, and it is a mess. But look at why it's a mess. Look back to verse two. Fallen, 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 Babylon the great. And then here is a characterization of the city and that kingdom. She has become a dwelling place of demons and prison for every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful, foul bird. She has become already the reason for the judgment is a dwelling place of demons. Now, we've seen this uh, demon build up for several different chapters in the book of Revelation. Chapter nine, you'll remember, demons were released out of the pit. The first part of the chapter nine, 200 million demons were released who have been bound to Euphrates River. Demons are running amok Everywhere. Then you have the demons of chapter 12. Uh, and then you have uh, filthy spirits of chapter 16 that are demons like frogs, spirits of demons uh, going out to deceive the whole world, and collect them into the battle of Armageddon. And so we know it's going to be a place of demons. We know uh, Armageddon is going to be uh, the result of deceptive work of demons. But here's the thing the headquarters for the whole demon operation is none other than the city of Babylon. Yes, the Babylon that is being built and added to daily here. If you research uh, Babylon, uh, and you'll see what's going on there. There is a lot that's been in the news lately about making... Uh, 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 world trade, uh, so many things happening as far as the economic, as far as the financial, as far as where Babylon is right now. It, it is absolutely mind-boggling to see that ha- uh, that happening. And I think the headquarters of the whole demon operation is none other than the city of Babylon. This one that is talked about in Revelation chapter 18. So Babylon is going to set its destruction uh, because it's the headquarters for demon all over the world, and uh, they they have a scope of reaching into all of the world. So, this angel has become, or is talking about, she has become, Babylon has become, uh, a dwelling place of demons and prison of every unclean spirit. That's another reference to being a dwelling place of demons. In other words, it's a prison. It's a place where they're kept. Uh, it's, It's almost like a phraseology used to cage demons. It's where they dwell, it's where they live. It's unclean spirits and demons live there, and that's that where they have their residence. John adds, a prison, same term of every unclean. And, and, and this is an interesting phrase, hateful bird. Unclean and hateful bird. The word for bird, by the way, is from which we get uh, the word from the study of birds. It's an old word. It's used only here in the New Testament. And in chapter 19, verses 17 and 21, we're going to see it again. And it depicts evil spirits, like hovering birds of prey, like the scavenger birds hovering over the city, waiting to devour their prey that 's the picture that we have here, and so that becomes interesting. The picture then is hovering uh, demons waiting to consume people, like literal Babylon, which is in the which in the past became desolate and occupied by scavenger birds and unclean animals, that ran over that destroyed city. This is a picture of this final Babylon, uh, having instead of overrun with 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 birds, it's demons and evil spirits. Uh, it's really quite the picture here, and the influence again. Uh, if we, next week we'll look at this, it's verse three, the influence is is all over the world, and we're going to see just how influential they have become. And so this is a, is a look at this this. This uh, fall of Babylon, and you can see, you have no trouble realizing and and believing that God will pronounce judgment on this because of everything we just read in verse 2. But there's more that there is going to give us about this city. And so, uh, you know, I I wish I could go further, but I'm going to have to stop here. Next time, we'll pick it up beginning in verse 3, and uh, we will take a look at, actually, next time we're going to go through verse 8. Uh, So, uh, please stick with me. This is an exciting study. It's one that's, remember, this hasn't come upon the earth yet. This is coming. But before it comes, the rapture must come first. So, again, I thank you for joining me today as we continue our verse by verse study of the book of Revelation. And uh, have a great day.